Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What landed in Rendlesham Forest in eastern England in December 1980? Was it aliens? Was it time travelers? Was it both? Or neither? Or nothing? Hey there, and welcome to the 551st edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those head-scratching questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening we welcome back two friends on a case that uh, we've covered more, th- more than enough shows, or more than any other show around the world, I should say, TV or radio. Uh, we welcome uh, calls this evening during the show, of course. The numbers are 401-766-1240, or locally, or well, that is locally, but from anywhere else in the U.S., uh, the numbers are 800-449-1240. All right, so let's get right to it, because we have a lot of questions that come in by email. Colonel Charles I. Halt, U.S. Air Force retired, was deputy commander of the twin NATO air bases at RAF Bentwaters and RAF Woodbridge in eastern England. RAF for you Yanks is shorthand for the British Royal Air Force. The bases were being leased by the U.S. Air Force at the time. Colonel Halt's posting there coincided with the famous Rendlesham Forest UFO incident of 1980, and he is considered a key eyewitness. The now-famous Halt memo and the Halt tape are now classic artifacts in the UFO lore. Colonel Halt retired in 1991 after a distinguished Air Force career. Sergeant James Penniston, also U.S. Air Force retired, served with distinction in the, in the Air Force for over 20 years, beginning in 1973. As an expert in security, he helped provide it for high-ranking officials and civil officials, up to and including the President. He also saw service in both Gulf Wars. He is best known as another key eyewitness to the Rendlesham Forest incident, and he was security police supervisor at Bent Waters Woodbridge at the time. In fact, he led the investigation of a, quote, craft of unknown origin, unquote, which had landed and taken off. He, along with his teammate at Rendlesham Forest, Sergeant Retired James, uh, John Burroughs, and UFO expert Nick Pope are co-authors of the recently released book, Encounter in Rendlesham Forest, The Inside Story of the World's Best Documented UFO Incident from St. Martin's Press, which we will talk about a little bit later. Both men have appeared frequently in the media regarding this case, and they are familiar faces on many cable television channels and in the UFO literature. The website are one of them, www.therendlshamforestincident.com. And uh, Jim, is there any other website you'd like to promote this evening? Oh, Jeez, I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> That's all right. Well, people can, people will, they can start with that. Also, Paul, anyway, uh, Ben, Paul, I was not in both Gulf Wars either. Okay, just a correction on that. I was in the first one, but not the not two of them. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was retired by that second one. Okay. Well, very good. Well, thank you for your service anyway. Certainly, uh, long, long service. Okay, I think we are just going to get right to the uh, questions. Uh, usually we, um, I ask difficult and annoying questions ourselves, but we have lots of very good questions from the audience, and uh, let's, um, let, let's just start right, right with those. Indeed. So uh, we're going to depart from some of our usual format this evening. Um, we'll, we usually pelt the guests with our annoying, difficult questions, so instead we're using listeners' difficult and annoying questions. Uh, so we are going to um, going to go to some emails now. So uh, if you want to hand me one of those. Okay, well, this one is from Tom. I'm not sure where Tom is from. He has several questions. Well, Tom has a couple of questions. Uh, he writes, I have the following questions for Jim Penniston. One, uh, you said that you took photographs of the craft. Can you remember how many approximately? No, I don't know. No, exactly. I took... Uh 
one roll for sure. That's 36 in the uh, roll. That's what we carried. Okay, 36 huh? in the roll. Okay. Okay, uh, could you even tell the uh, model or type of camera that you used? Canon 81. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, is it possible that the photographs taken from the confiscated camera actually came out clear and uh, still being are still being kept uh, away from the public to this day? Well, at one point in time, I did think that. Uh, but <clears throat> talking to Sergeant Monroe Neville, uh, he had the same problem with the uh, film on uh, uh, the night with Colonel Hall. And uh, they were whited out, and he did not use the base photo lab. He did them... Uh, um, you know, as his, at his residency, so I, I uh, so I guess the answer to that is no. I think they were whited out because of something with the phenomenon. Right. Can I just make a comment there? Uh, we I don't know if you remember this. What we we were shown a picture. I can't say where, when, or by whom uh, that purportedly came from the forest that night and was not whited out at all. So for what that's worth, I have every reason to believe it was genuine. So if that's I don't know whatever. But go ahead, Ben. Okie doke, so final question from Tom. Uh, you also said that the whole team spent 45 minutes examining the craft and the surrounding areas. Did you measure that uh, using your own watch? How, uh, or have you considered that some time, some time distortion or uh, dilation may have uh, happened within the range of the affected area by the craft during this whole time? There was a 45-minute discrepancy on both my watch and the airman that was with me. Uh, then when we got back to uh, Central Security Control, um, the shift commander uh, said that uh, he had lost contact. Now, I'm presuming that uh, that's radio contact for 45 minutes. All right, I'm just going to need to interject here. Uh, Jim, we should have done this really in the beginning because... Anyone who listens to this show regularly ought to be an expert on this case, but there's always someone stuck in traffic somewhere who doesn't know what this case is about. Could you just very briefly, Jim, uh, just relate basically what happened over those three days in 1980? Just okay, so people we know where we stand. Okay, uh, an object that was uh, tracked on radar, uh, they lost contact with it. Uh, it was called to the East Gate by two uh, law enforcement patrols that were out there. Um, they, uh, it appeared to be a, uh, a downed aircraft. Um, we had gained, uh, permission through the, uh, wing, um, command post to, uh, go off base and, uh, and investigate it and render, uh, you know, assistance if it was, uh, aircraft crash, first aid, uh, set up entry control points, uh, all the emergency protocols that we had to do. And then, obviously, uh, during the course of that investigation, it was apparent it wasn't a downed aircraft. It was a craft of unknown origin, and um, we uh, had an encounter with it. And um, then, uh, a couple nights later, um, uh, Colonel Halt, and he can talk about his portion of it, but he uh, led a team out there to debunk. Uh, uh, the situation, and uh, he uh, he came into uh, a situation that uh, he found uh, un he was unable to explain as well. Okay, uh, Chuck, maybe you can. Uh, we're, we're being informal and using first names this evening, but Chuck, if you could uh, perhaps add your uh, your bit to that. Well, I was approached that we were having the end of the year 
how should I say, celebration is a family covered this dinner and the on duty senior police officer came in and said it's back. Of course, everybody, what's back? And I went out to, I was sent out to investigate and to put it all to rest because the police had become very obsessed with a UFO or whatever. And uh, basically, we found a site where Jim had seen something, three indentations equal distance apart. We found some Geiger counters, significant readings on the Geiger counter, marks on the trees, clearance in the tree above as though something had come down or gone up. And while we were there, we saw a bright light, which turned out to be a glowing red object, sort of oval in shape. I would say maybe a foot or two in diameter, had a black center, it was winking. It moved about, it came into the forest, it moved through the trees, it went back out. The farmer's house was glowing, it was across the field was glowing, bright red like it was on fire. Uh, and it suddenly exploded silently, and the five white objects may disappear. The whole time we could see the lighthouse out at the coast, which is off to the right. Then we noticed objects in the sky, which were moving around in sort of like a grid pattern. Uh, one to the south, two to the south then, and one came overhead and sent down the equivalent of, I would say, a laser beam and stayed in the sky. Another was over Woodbridge Base and then Bentwater's Base and sent down beams, which may have come down in or near the weapons security area. And, uh, and uh, it was quite an experience. I would think so. All right, now we have some questions from Patrick in Dublin, Ireland. These are for Colonel Hall. Okie doke. So uh, Patrick writes to us, or, well, well everyone in the group, really, uh, are, are you aware of any uh, special access programs, either directly or indirectly associated with what uh, was seen in the forest? No, I am not. Okie doke. Uh, we might actually get through these questions. <laughs> yeah, I d- didn't expect that. All right, uh, according to John Burroughs, uh, you gave him... And uh, Adrian uh, Bastinza. Bastinza, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, permission to go towards the object on night three. Can you confirm no, the this? object? Was, oh, the object was gone when they went forward. Okay, so uh, the object that just the, the object that exploded and was gone, whatever it was. Can you describe the uh, the explosion sort of thing that? It was sort of like fireworks. Yeah, people who know the case are familiar with it, but some people may not be. Uh, When you say explosion, you mean it it sort of burst into... It didn't do any damage to the forest, did it? It just uh, sort of broke into... Adrian Bastenza was with me. John was way back in the background. He'd come out on his own. He'd hitched a ride with one of the security police or somebody, I don't know who, and borrowed a radio and called me and asked for permission to come forward, and I told him no. When the whole incident was over, an hour, an hour and a half, or two hours later, John was still in the forest. And he came up, I believe, to us. I don't remember exactly the details. But we all went back to the base then. Okay. Okie doke. Uh, next and uh, final question from Patrick. Uh, are you in possession of any material which could uh, provide proof, either circumstantial or otherwise, that some of the individuals involved were meddled with after the fact by uh, intelligence agencies using drugs and or hypnosis? Not directly, but I do have some very, very interesting information, but I'm not going to make it public until I write a book. Oh, over darn. Okay. Right. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I've, I've come into, I've come down to some very interesting things that are really going to blow this wide open. Okay. All right. We have, um, let's pause in our questions now, and uh, we're going to give you both a chance to say why you're here this evening. Obviously, things continue to develop in this case, and I'll have a comment on that at the end of the show. Uh, do we have a caller? Okay, you're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. Uh, well, the people on the air will be able to hear. The people out and uh, out there will be able to hear the uh, the question, but I'll have to relay it to the listeners because of our technical setup. Go ahead. 
Okay, we have Bob with us. In Cumberland, yes. Bob Hi, in guys. Cumberland. Very good. What's your question for um, for but our guests, Jim and, Bob? But Jim and Chuck both, I'd like to ask them. I've, you know, I've been in, you know, immersed, immersed in this subject for a decade, and I know I've heard everything, but I've never heard anybody mention about any olfactory situations. Do you guys smell anything like ozone or anything like that that would... Uh, Okay, uh, Bob and Cum- sure. Thank you, Bob. Bob in Cumberland, Rhode Island, uh, fellows asks if either of you uh, had smelled anything like ozone, um, that sort of thing, because that has not generally been mentioned in the case literature. I did not smell anything unusual. Okay, the, John. The uh, I said to J- Jim. I mean, my name is Jim. Right. Right. Uh, the only odor out there was a, a, a smell of hot metal. Hot metal. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That would get that would tie into Chuck's version of what he saw was like. That was it. Something looked like something <laughs> metal. Oh, can, can you hear the questioner? No. Okay. <laughs> All right, Asa. I'm just uh, hoping here, Ben. Now uh, he said that that's uh, that, that's a helpful answer and ties in with what Colonel Hall had said. Okay, Bob. Um, thank you very much your call Thank okay you. so gentlemen i'll give uh, chuck a chance colonel hall a chance to to say why you're here this evening and what you really want to convey to the listeners about this case at this point in time well i'm here primarily just to support jim and to explain you know some things that he was only there the first night i was there the third night as we call it yeah uh yeah i have a lot of things i'm going to say but i'm not going to say them now because they're they're going to be very interesting when they come out okay all right, Jim. Well, I'm I'm here because originally I was supposed to be here on here in June uh, to promote the book. Yeah. And so uh, we rescheduled it. So uh, I was going to come on, and then I want I figured you know it's been a while since uh, Colonel Halt and I were on the, the show together, and um, I would uh, we've been you know in discussion over the last couple of years of stuff and. You know, I said I think you can add a lot to the to the program, and also discuss the uh, you know the third night. Okay, good. Well, you'll have a chance to promote the book after the bottom of the hour break. Here's some more questions. This is from Steve in Kirkville, New York. Okie doke. So uh, Steve writes to us. This is for you, Jim. <laughs> this okay. one's this one's for you, Jim. Alrighty. Uh, what is the status of Gary Osborne's work on interpreting the meaning of the RIF binary code message? RFI bi- RFI. Sorry, Jim. Maybe you should give some background first in case people don't know what the binary code scenario is. Well, the binary enigma. That's what we'll call it because that's what it is to me. Uh, um, that the binary is something I kept secret close to my vest for probably uh, 34 years, 33 years. Uh, reason was because after the incident, I was so traumatized by the uh, incident itself, I was having trouble um, sleeping at night, uh, the, the following night, and uh, I, had a, I was compelled to write down these ones and zeros. And when I started, as I looked in my notebook and was looking at uh, you know, the uh, glyphs and stuff like that, I, I as I started to write them, I felt better. So I uh, ended up writing 16 pages of them down. And um, just as fast as it started, it stopped. And uh, I felt good. And I was also felt uh, relieved because uh, my, my next step uh, prior to uh, uh, feeling well there was uh, I would have to go to the base uh, clinic and I would have to tell them 
what happened out in the uh, forest that night. Um, it would be pretty hard to believe. Uh, I encountered the craft on the origin. I uh, went home 20 miles away. I couldn't sleep, and I started writing one ones and zeros. I'm pretty sure I would have been relieved of duty and uh, things like that, and that would have been the end of my career. So for me, it was it was actually a time of uh, of uh, uh, of uh, probably uh, insanity. I think that's what I thought it was, and so I never mentioned it. Uh, I kept it quiet. I uh, didn't bring it up at all. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't have been out in public uh, unless uh, uh, Aaron Burles and uh, this other. Uh, journalist, uh, not journalist, a ufologist, uh, we were doing a film shoot in Phoenix, and I was asked a question to go ahead and uh, look up a number, and when I did, I flipped all the way to the back, and that's where the ones and zeros was, and of course, they were on me like uh, a mad dog on me, um, and that's when the uh, ufologist said, well, that's binary code, and I said, binary code? I says, Oh, I mentioned that in the uh, in hypnosis. That's when I made the connection. And of course, it it took on a life of its own after that point because everybody had an agenda there, and the agenda clearly wasn't <laughs> my agenda. So uh, it was accidentally uh, put out in public. Uh, without that happening, it would not be out in public today. Um, anyway, in the binary. Um, Here's where the enigma is. It uh, it has uh, coordinates. It has uh, messages that are translated in English. And uh, quite honestly, I find it all very perplexing. Yeah. So has Gary uh, been able to do anything there? Gary has uh, been doing research on it that I can't talk about. That's his research. All right. And you you received this code when you touched. The, the landed craft, something I, have, I, I probably have no idea, wouldn't have had. I have, have no idea about that. Yeah. I, the only thing I experienced at the craft was a, a, a brilliance of light. Um, no, I, I, I have no, uh, I don't recall any uh, thing no. like that happening. All I mean, right. it was bright light. I mean, it didn't have that. It's the the, the uh, mental image of it, the ones and zeros, didn't happen until I went home. All I right. couldn't sleep. Okay. All right, uh, Ben, next uh, question from Steve. Um, well, I mean, he pretty much answered all of them. Oh, all right. Well, that's, all right. We yeah. are getting through these. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we are getting through these very right. quickly. Uh, this is a question from Bernie. Uh, I don't know where Bernie's from, but it's a question for Jim. Okie doke. I feel like I'm handing out Christmas presents here. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, boy. Alrighty. Uh, so, question for Jim Peniston. I have read on the Internet that people claim... You have received additional binary messages after December 1980. Is that true? If so, do you plan to reveal them anytime soon? That's not true. Oh, there we go. Well, that settles <laughs> that. Okay. Well, no, that's 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 ridiculous. I think uh, I tell you what happened is in 2010 when we, when I went back there with Aaron Burroughs uh, to in the UK. Uh, it was like going back to the crime scene, okay? Yeah, it was the 30th and, anniversary of the, of the uh, incident. Uh, yeah, yeah, 30th, whatever. And uh, I got back there, and uh, it was quite emotional for us, and I was starting to get total recall of, uh, of what was going on out there the, the night I was actually out there. I mean, it's just like going to a crime scene. And uh, one of the things that uh, did, did happen is that uh, 
I could start seeing those ones and zeros again. And um, what they were was just the, the original ones and zeros that I always have seen. And uh, at the, initially at the time. And they, they actually stayed with me uh, from 2010 for a month or two after the incident. Matter of fact, I went to uh, Fountain Hills and did a, a UFO conference out there, and, that's, and Colonel Hall was there too, matter of fact, and uh, I could still see some of those ones and zeros, but they translated nothing more than the original message. Okay. Hmm. Well, I guess that sort of answer said, so, yeah, I answered well, Wait, did didn't answer your question? So no, no, no that's all right. No, no, I, I, okay. I have a comment. No, I, I, I'll, I'm glad to uh, expand on it. Okay, well, you can, after I, after I make my comment later on, you can expand on it. Okay. Okay, now we have a number of questions came in on Facebook uh, and also by emails that were on the same subject, so we boiled them down. The next one is boiled down from 28 different questions we received on this same subject. Okie doke. Uh, so, first question is, if uh, other personnel involved in this case were, quote, messed with, unquote, by intelligence agencies after the December 1980 incidents, uh, why should people think both of you weren't messed with, too? Uh, we were, uh, or we, why did I say we? Uh, you both, um, are you were both career Air Force and, uh, well, within reach of intelligence agencies all the time, yes? Chuck? Uh, no, I was never. In fact, I tried to find out what was going on from Chuck Matthews, who was the OSI commander at the time and a good personal friend. And he told me at that time they had no interest in the incident whatsoever. I later learned, of course, that was a lie. I was never debriefed in any way, shape, or form until probably 10 or 15 years later when John Alexander, and you probably know who John is, mm-hmm. we become good personal friends. John came out from Albuquerque when he was running the special lab uh, non-lethal weapons, <clears throat> and he and I talked, and I explained what happened to him, and it was sort of a debriefing, I think. But other than that, I have never been debriefed. I personally talked to the DOD Inspector General, who I worked directly for, and explained the whole case, and they knew nothing about it. And when I retired from the Air Force and was debriefed because I was involved in a lot of very, very sensitive stuff and got a special debriefing, I asked about Bentwaters, and they all said, hmm, Bentwaters, what was that? And I said, well, it was a sort of a unexplained thing that happened. They said, go ahead. Interesting, isn't it? Very much so. But I think the point of the question is, how do you know you weren't debriefed? Well, I... I was never back in the OSI building, for starters, other than for special things with with my boss or with the wing commander who was present. All right, well, the point is, you know, you probably don't know, but Jim, what's your answer to that question? Well, uh, my uh, prior to going down to Colonel Hall's office uh, for a debriefing, I was there. For, I was told by the order room to go down there, and I went to the OSI building. I wrote a statement, four pages long. I was there about an hour and a half, maybe an hour and ten minutes. Um, full conscious memory of it. There was nothing else going on. Matter of fact, I left there. I went down to Colonel Halt's office. I did my uh, uh, statement and drawings uh, for him. And then I believe I went to work after that. I have full memory of it. Well, again, we all know there's no way to, to really know how to no, answer that question one or the other. You know? Well, it's full memory. I mean, I... I, there's just no time in between to do anything else. Well, 
Yeah, I think people understand what we're saying here. Jim, let's move on to this other question. I've asked you this question before, and I've always been satisfied with your answer, but apparently quite a few listeners think I'm naive. 26 different listeners want to know why you waited 30-plus years to do anything about the binary code you say you received one, uh, that night in the forest. I explain that in complete uh, detail in the book. Okay. And I, I'll tell you what, it took me a long time to go back and rewrite it and rewrite it, and I explain it in full detail. You know, for what that's it's worth, for what it's worth I, you know, the reason I back you up on that, Jim, is because exactly the same thing happened to me in a, in a poltergeist case. And you know Ben and I are on this, this kick about UFOs and poltergeists and all this stuff, possibly having connections and this sort of thing. And we get into that in a lecture, but that's not for this show. So uh, it happened to me uh, in 1974, and it, it came up yesterday because there was a book signing. Some fellow wrote a book about that case. It wasn't me. And I thought of you because I, I, there was something that happened to me during that that was so outside the ordinary, I, I could not sleep. I couldn't write about it. I didn't write about it in, in the 1998 book that I wrote that involved that case or was one of the chapters. And so that's why I, I think your story is entirely plausible on that. But I, apparently I'm in the minority. Okay. Uh, ben has a um, well, question for I was, no, okay. you. Know, uh, let me go on. I was active duty until 93. I mean, the, the timeline is really easy to, to figure that out. And the other thing, I thought it was a, I thought it was, you know, it was a, it was a time when I was losing my mind. And I'll tell you what, it wouldn't be out today even if it wasn't for uh, uh, Aaron Burroughs with his agenda and uh, the ufologists at that film shoot. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, right, when it went out, matter of fact, they know as well as I do that I was hesitant. I would, they had to plead with me to put that out, and uh, and unfortunately I did, you know. But yeah. uh, it's out, and so when the book came out, I started. Uh, uh, I don't know where it was at the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth manuscript uh, rewrite. Um, I finally got everything out about it, and I tell you what, it was actually therapeutic for me. Mm -hmm. And I feel pretty good about it, and I'm certain. And looking back at hindsight, I'm glad that the uh, code actually got out. And if I knew the results was going to be like this, I would have had it out probably uh, a year after I was um, uh, re uh, out of retirement. Yeah, back I, I have to echo that from my own context. I mean, I, uh -huh. I've been there, done that in, in my own way. Okay, well, let's take our bottom of the hour break, folks. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley and globally on the Internet. We'll be right back with our very interesting guest. Stay with us. Hello, this is Manny Brando reminding you that my show is on Owen every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. You forget about me. What about you? Virginia Brando, your co-host. You and I are going to have a talk. Again. Yeah. Okay, everybody, we're back. And I uh, just wanted to remind you of a few of the charities Ben and I have adopted. Most of them are veterans' charities. And certainly we uh, point out locally Builders Helping Heroes, a program of the Rhode Island Builders Association. They recently built a wonderful house for a Marine who had lost both legs in Afghanistan. That was right in our listening area in Burlville, Rhode Island. 
And we ask you to check that out, buildershelpingheroes.com. Also, usacares.org, great organization. And to our North Canadian Veterans Advocacy, for our Canadian listeners and everyone else, please check that out. Uh, Mike Blaze in Ontario started a wonderful group to advocate for Canadian veterans who, as you know, have been shoulder-to-shoulder with us uh, in Afghanistan and uh, their mission ended recently, but uh, great folks up there, and they, they need help too. And also, out in Los Angeles in another vein, Youth Mentoring Connection, Tony Larray out there using ancient wisdom and indigenous wisdom to help at-risk youth. It's nothing occult about it. It's good stuff. It's good, solid uh, human common sense. And he's done wonderful things out there, youthmentoringconnection.org, youthmentoring.org. Check that out. Okay, let's get back to our very interesting guests here. Uh, Colonel Charles Halt retired and Sergeant James Penniston retired, U.S. Air Force eyewitnesses to the Rendlesham Forest incidents of 1980, which, of course, is our subject this evening. Okay, before we get into any more questions, uh, Jim, why don't you talk about your book and uh, tell people where they can get it and uh, all the information you can think of. Okay, Encounter in Rendlesham Forest is put out by Thomas Dunn Books and, uh, and St. Martin. Uh, you can get it at, uh, at Amazon.com or you can get it uh, at uh, Barnes & Noble bookstores. Uh, and um, it is the actual account from the first responders to the first night. And um, we... Uh, we, we, we really kept quiet and, and we wanted to, we have had this, uh, we've done documentaries and stuff, but the book has it in print where it can't be altered, it can't be cherry picked. It's just the explanation of what happened on our account. Uh, I was very detailed in it. I explained um, quite a bit. Uh, unfortunately, there's about 80 pages that did not make it in, but uh, what did go in there dealt with the binary code, dealt with the immediately after the incident and uh, um, I did this with uh, Nick Pope as the lead author and Aaron Burles okay very good uh, why don't you get that last question Ben then I had a question for, for uh, Jim as well uh, go ahead okay uh, so uh, Colonel Holt so 22 listeners uh, want to know what you think about the binary code scenario that, that, that's my dad and myself con- uh, included in that number Honestly, I really don't know. I mean, and that's a fair answer because uh, I, I'm, I'm firmly convinced that, that you know, especially John Burroughs has been messed with through the years, and Jim's been hypnotized a few times and regressed, and uh, I don't have any doubt about the binary code, just that I just don't know. Uh, a lot of things have come out through the years. Uh, you know, Now we have the the air traffic controllers confirming that they actually saw the UFO. They traced it across their scope at three or 4,000 mile an hour, come back across the scope. They saw it go into the forest where we were. A lot of things have come out. And uh, I'm going to put something out here in the near future that's going to be quite revealing. But as far as the code, I really don't know. I wasn't right. there. Okay. Well, fair enough. Jim, as we were preparing for the show, you sent me an email I found very interesting. Uh, this is in reference to the 80 pages that were left out. Do you mind if I read that on the air, or was it meant as a confidential communication? Jeez, I don't know what I wrote you. I'm sorry? I don't know. I remember what I wrote. <laughs> okay, well, well I, I will take the uh, opportunity to read it then, if you don't mind. Uh, This is a quote, I wish I was the lead author so I could have added about 80 more pages, as you just said, that did not get in. I thought they were key to the account. Also, I had a chapter on that night of first response that did not make it in. Lots of detail. 
uh, we cannot help but wonder what was on those pages. And why didn't they get into the book? Well, it's my account. I mean, uh, you know, Nick had to make some tough choices uh, because of the other stuff going in. You know, and we were we were partnershiped on it. I mean, we uh, we end up uh, I ended up ultimately agreeing what had to go in, what not. And um, final the final decision was next, but we, we did a joint decision. Um, uh, unfortunately, I, the book probably would have been 400 pages long. I mean, who reads 400 pages? No, I know. I'm a professional editor. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, unless you're, you know, it's War and Peace or something like that. Um, yeah, and there's just a lot more that needs to needs to be told about it. And I think that's what the um, <clears throat> the detail uh, is. What the, I think what a lot of people wanted to hear. Okay. All right, uh, Gary Hesseltine, who was a retired. British law enforcement officer and respected British UFO expert, uh, known to our listeners from his appearances on this show. Uh, Gary says that you, Chuck, told him you had a missing time experience during the Rendlesham encounters. What's with that? There's a misunderstanding there. Okay, so you, you did not have a missing time experience. No, I don't know where he got that. Okay, well, there were some questions about that as well, so that's why I asked it. Uh, and to the be- and I'm going to say, going to ask this one more time, just for the record. Do either of you feel that your memories were tampered with at all? I don't. I, okay. I tell you what, I did not long after the event. I sat down with a you know small recorder and recorded everything I knew about it onto a tape. Made many copies and secreted them away several places just in case somebody did mess with me. And I've listened to that tape. You know what? It still tracks. Okay. And I'll uh, tell you what, that's what I did uh, after the incident between me, because the, the colonel and I were stationed at the, the base for at least four years after the incident. Uh, what I did is I wrote my own personal logs and wrote everything down uh, uh, about the incident. I just, but the funny thing is, I just found those. Uh, 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 they were in storage, but I do have them. And I, I went through them, and then all the information's there. I mean, that's been, been put out today. Uh, it hasn't changed. So, um, uh, but those are personal uh, logs, you know. And um, okay, what was the other part of that question? Oh, essentially, uh, well, it was the, the um, missing time experience, and then the. Uh, you know what I find really, really amazing that these UFOlogists or these so-called investigators, including Gary, uh, since you brought his name up. All these people seem to want to talk about this incident so much, right? And they, and they seem to be experts on it, or so-called experts. But you take guys like Richard Dolan, you guys take like uh, Peter Robbins, and Gary Hesapine. I've been at numerous events with all them over the last 20 years. Not one time, not one time have they ever asked me one question about Rendlesham Forest. Really? That that's yeah. difficult to believe. Well, that is a fact. Yeah. Now, don't you find that unbelievable? I do. So because I've been there so, too, in a way. Uh, so, in, what do they do? Do they watch Hollywood documentaries that we make, which they have an interest of their own, uh, their own agenda to actually put stuff out? You know, and yeah. it's only part true. You know how documentaries are. Yeah. That's the best part of them are laying on the cutting room floor. And but he had a little something. Yeah, go ahead. They become they become entertainers. The, oh, you couldn't have put it better. Yes. In fact, John Burroughs has become like a clown. 
Well, I was going to ask you about that, so go ahead and... uh, Well, John John has a lot of problems with anger management. He's passive-aggressive. You know, he had issues on flight, and and they didn't get any better. John's never supervised anybody in the Air Force. They put him off as a dog trainer because nobody wanted to deal with him. Gosh, what can I say? I feel sorry for him. I've tried to help him. I wrote a three-page letter to the VA in his behalf and Jim's behalf to try and get the medical attention, which apparently worked. Yes. And I've offered other help. I've tried to get them some specialists. And uh, John has flat refused. He's threatened to sue me. He's done all kinds of crazy things. Why? You should see some of the emails I have. Someday I'm going to publish some of them. Yeah. Well, because I, I was going to ask, I mean, you, you seemed, uh, especially Jim and John, seemed to be, you know, partners in this for so long. Uh, we were, was, no, we did a book together. No, yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Colonel Hawk wrote a letter when we asked to the VA. So did General William. It wasn't for those two men there, and those two men there are responsible for us getting uh, stellar uh, VA care for the last year and a half, two years. Okay, uh, they're directly responsible for it. Because what, and I'll talk personally. When I went up, I was having some difficulty with it. I go to the Madison VA or up here, and um, uh, I was having issues up to the point of the citizens hearing. I take those two letters. I turn him into the uh, VA up there uh, to the doctor. I says uh, to to get treated, and I said, "Well, I got this." Because they're asking, "How can I prove uh, uh, I was involved with in an incident like this?" And and I just hand those two letters. Guess what? No problem. I got stellar care. And Aaron Burroughs, he's received stellar care. And to say anything else would be a lie. The VA has taken care of us. Matter of fact, I feel a little bit guilty about it because there are some veterans coming back from Afghanistan, coming back from Iraq, coming back with traumatic head injuries, coming back missing limbs. These are the men that really need to be treated, okay? That's right, yeah. Not us. Yeah. Those men there. That's why I've never signed up for the VA. I don't right. feel like, you know, that's the same reason. I really, I really uh, hear you there, there Jim. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and that, 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 that's a, it's a point of difference between uh, uh, me and Aaron Burroughs. I mean, uh, it's not about us. Yeah. Reynolds and Forrest isn't about us. It's about a phenomena that, uh, quite honestly, uh, has a lot of us asking a lot of questions. Well, uh, we re- you know, we respect all of you, and we think you're all heroes. But, uh, uh, Jim, we're not heroes. We, Jim, we were doing our job. Right. That's all we did out there. Well, we think you're pretty great. Anyway, Jim, one of the promos for your book says, uh, quote, the inside story of these events and their aftermath will change people's perceptions about the UFO mystery and about the true role played by government, the military, and the intelligence agencies. That's Talk about a pregnant sentence. Can you talk about that, expand upon it at all, uh, either you, either of you, I should say? Well, I think Nick probably uh, wrote that. Uh, <laughs> well, it was on Amazon, so... Oh, is it? A well, problem, I mean, yeah. uh, well, we, I tell you what we did. Uh, um, we did run the uh, book through the MOD and the DOD, okay? And um, we did that because, like, about six months prior, there was a book out with a Navy SEAL, and the government got sort of stinky about it because he never ran it through them, and they were saying about there was classified stuff in it. So we wanted to be safe. Uh, so we ran through those two uh, departments on both sides of the pond, and um, uh, one of the uh, uh, the manuscript that went in went in and came back exactly the same. Nothing was taken out, nothing was deleted. It was they just gave us a rubber stamp on it. The other thing, 
Orion by those two agencies um, uh, was to, uh, since I had took notes and stuff out there, uh, you know, who does who does, uh, does the notes belong to if they were done on duty? And so uh, by uh, doing that, uh, it, it clearly put my personal notes as mine, and uh, the DOD agreed with it. They rubber stamped it as nothing was belonging to the government there, all the, the sketches or nothing. So it was uh, okayed by them. And uh, 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 what was what had happened is I was a little bit misled on it about this um, Condon Condon report or whatever it was. Condon report, yeah. Yeah, it's really a, it's really a, you know if you want to go ahead and try to put dots together with it. Uh, that's supposed to look like the Eiffel Tower when you're done, and it turns out to be an apple. Okay, that's what really is that common report. It's a bunch of misinformation. Uh, I find it probably most likely is just a ruse by the MOD. Uh, so I think that's where Nick was going from. That document there was going to be like uh, earth shattering, but uh, uh, yeah. some of the problems, yeah. the people making these, these comments, I'll tell you right now, did not have uh, high level clearances. Uh, some of these people, and I mean, like uh, the other witness, like uh, Aaron Burles, he had a low-level clearance. He wasn't in the know. Uh, uh, by uh, the Colonel Colonel Halt and I, we both have top-secret clearances. It doesn't make us any better or anything like that, but it does make the uh, when the Colonel was talking to me, he knows that I have some type of trust factor. Uh, the Colonel and I also work together, and we have uh, a trust factor uh, there. We work the Wing Command Post, the SRC. At Ben Waters, we did alerts together. So we had a, uh, I, as a matter of fact, I did reports for them, the uh, UNIREP report and stuff like that. Uh, we did base security councils together. Uh, so we had a working relationship. And, you know, it, uh, um, uh, we were around, to, we were able to talk about it a little bit after the incident. And we knew that was done in confidence. We had questions back then. We still have questions today. Uh, but to have people running around with, Trying to you know make dots connect that aren't there, or to go ahead and run around with glass straws or run around with scissors, it's just ridiculous, and uh, it doesn't do the case any good at all. You know, and I have I to say, uh, I'm sorry, Jim. Go ahead. Well, I actually agree with the colonel on this. I think there's just been so many problems with people trying to uh, are, are opportunists or they're trying to beat another agenda or something like that. It's really a uh, uh, really has hurt the uh, actual. Uh, case itself. And uh, that's one of the things that uh, the Colonel and I have been talking about and the Colonel does have stuff in his plate that he will uh, um, that uh, uh, quite honestly is quite uh, quite uh, astonishing. Well I hope and he considers doing it on this show. <laughs> We'd be honored. Um, but I have to tell you you know, first of all I have to explain to all the civilians out there that you know, once you take that security oath, that sticks it doesn't end when you are out of the service, and you know th that's so. I understand this came up on the last show when uh, John and uh, Nick Pope were on. People mm -hmm. were asking why did you know whoever heard of you know running this stuff past the security agencies or the, or the DOD or the MOD, and but that that is the proper thing to to have been done. So um, you know I have to back sure. you up on that too. Well, yeah, I mean you know like the Colonel knows SA, uh, special access programs. He has part of them in his career. I got them in mind. I mean. Special access programs are just what they are. I mean, they could be uh, if you're working around design stuff, like at the uh, if you're at Nellis or if you're at the, you know Sandia Labs or wherever you're at. 
That might be a special access program. Nuclear weapons were a special access program. I mean, they, that 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 way, there are only people that were they had the need to know uh, would be involved. That's it. Need to know. People think if you have high clearance or clearance of any kind, you know all the secrets. Well, that's not how it works. It's need to know only for very specific assignments. So, so that's how that works. Right. So right. Uh, I mean, but there's there's no there's no big there's no conspiracy by the federal government. I mean, that's what everybody tries to paint. There is no conspiracy on UFOs with that. You know, I think the federal government's been quite honest about it. They've been very open about UFOs. I'm not sure they uh, know all that much, personally. They don't know that much. That's what they're asking questions. Yeah, I think they, there's, there are other, other levels, but anyway, that, that's that's another issue. Well, there, yeah, there's, uh, there's you know, civilian contractors and that. And that's one of the things I've avoided uh, recently in the last two years, is stay away from the spooks. Stay away from the civilian contractors. Stay away from the guys that used to work for SRI. Stay away from the guys that used to do uh, 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 projects with the CIA as an analyst. I stay away from those kind of people. And unfortunately, not everybody involved with RFI has. Okay. Now, I just I will have to interrupt our, our dialogue here because there's another question that's come in. This is from uh, Ronnie in England, and he says, uh, At the 2010 Rendlesham Forest Conference at Woodbridge, Jim Penniston was very damning of Deputy Base Commander Charles Halt, claiming that Halt was part of the cover-up and was under orders from the AFOSI. Does Jim still hold the same opinion of Charles Halt, and if not... No, but I'm his, glad okay. you asked this question. This sure. is a great question. Thank you for asking that. Well, thank I you, was uh, really I was really upset. Well, he's a troll, but I'll still answer it. Um, no, uh, I was upset in 2010 at Colonel Halt because Colonel Halt has kept me away from Airman Burroughs for like 8, 9, 10 years, wherever it was. But... In hindsight, of the stuff that's gone with on with uh, John Burroughs over the last year and a half, I know exactly why he tried to keep us apart. And I've talked to him about this, and he was right. And um, I wish I would have listened to him, uh, you know, uh, 15, 20 years ago. Right. I made a big mistake. And I tell you what, the Colonel was watching out for my best interest. Uh, as he always has uh, since the uh, you know since we worked at Bentwaters, he's been a very very good uh, uh, commanding officer, and he's been a good uh, use, uh, a United States Air Force uh, officer too because okay. uh, he takes care of his people. Well, Ronnie has a question for Chuck as well, uh, for Colonel Halt, I should say. I have often heard in interviews Charles Halt claim that Larry Warren, one of the other witnesses, said he saw little green men and that they asked for parts to repair their craft from the Spears Department. Where is the source to back up Halt's claim that Larry Warren said these things, as I have read everything ever written on the RFI, Rendlesham Forest Incident, and watched every video and can't to this day find him quoted or saying these things, unquote. Uh, Chuck, Chuck, well, you're going to have to be patient for the answer to that because I do have a very good answer for that. Okay, <laughs> I have a. You, you're going to be shocked one of these days. I've got some sources now. People have come forward that hadn't come forward earlier, but I could take their book left at the East Gate, and I tell you, the book should have been left at the East Gate. I can pick it apart like he did. Georgina's book only. She wrote a response, and I'd love to give you... Would you like to have her his comments to her and her response to print and put on your website? Yes, I would. Oh, boy, that would be interesting. That's only a starter. Okay. You should hear the rest of it. It gets even better. Well, I hope these uh, future shows we're talking about here... 
Okay, very good. Oh, no, I, no, it's going to go out in written form first, and uh, then we'll talk on the show. Okay, all right. Uh, here's uh, This is about the last question we're going to have time for. Uh, this is from Russell in Yorkshire, England. And Russell asks or says, it seems an obvious question, but have never heard it asked. The binary code given to Jim used uh, an ASCII translation. This is a code of human construction. Why would the message not have been given just in English? Given Jim's police and security background, he should surely have an opinion on this absurdity, quote-unquote. How sure can he be that this has not been something programmed into him at a later date to denigrate the event? Because I had my notebook. I wrote okay. it. No, I wrote that. Uh, yeah. That, no, that, yeah, I love the short answers. Like being hours. a journalist. Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. I just have one final comment, then we have to take a call here on another subject. Gentlemen, um, you know, we love you. you. You know that, okay? We respect all you uh, fellas. Uh, 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 uh. And believe me, I mean no disrespect here. During our military, your military careers, you had security clearances and rubbed elbows with the intelligence community. So did I. And every aspect of our discussions with the many witnesses in this case over the last four and a half years strikes me as textbook disinformation campaign. Good information from bad sources, bad information from good sources. Keep them guessing because everybody loves a mystery. And none of it ever goes anywhere. And there's one reason Ben and I have been digging into the lo- that that's one reason Ben and I have been digging into the local civilian sources in Suffolk for the last two years. People, the big investigators, have paid very little attention to me. I should uh, too. So tell me where I'm going wrong. Let me make a comment on that. I agree with you. Okay. There is a very very sophisticated disinformation <laughs> program at work. That's what I'm going to talk about later, and that's what I'm going to write about later. Okay. That's going to be the subject of a book, because that's a real story. You need an editor? Let me know. Anyway, uh, gentlemen, I'm afraid we're just about out of time, but it's been great to have you as always, and a lot of good discussion. Indeed. We'll be talking to you off the air, and thank you again. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay. Very good. All right, folks. Colonel Charles Holt and Sergeant James Penniston. Always very interesting show. Okay, now we have a caller who's going to talk about something else, and I believe it is Shane Searway from New Hampshire. We have Shane uh, with us? Uh, I thought we did. Okay. Um, I'm here. Oh, oh yeah, he's there. there. Okay. Yeah, there we uh, go. I'm not imagining Laying things. low. Shane, what's cooking? I understand we've got something big coming up on the 20th. Yeah, we got our true paranormal event, um, which um, myself, you... Uh, and Ben and and uh, William Hall, whose whose book is flying off the shelves, from what I understand. You should, I was uh, there yesterday in Milford, Connecticut, at the book sign. You should, the store ran out of books. Gosh, in, in Barnes and Noble, right? Yeah, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, in Milford, Connecticut. It was amazing. Wow. So, yeah, I'm proud of them. I mean, that that that's good. I mean, uh, this this book seemed highly anticipated, and I saw like before it even came out, he had fourteen thousand likes or, or whatnot. On, oh, it's uh, amazing. On, on Facebook, so um, I know there were that but, many likes. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's exciting to have him there, and, and, and obviously um, Paul and Ben, you know, you guys do such a great job, and and I encourage your listeners. I mean, it, it, you know, they they hear you guys talk every week, and they tune in, and and they they love all all your topics, but they 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 got to show up, they got to see this, they got to meet you guys in person. See your presentation because I'll tell you, every time you do a, a presentation, 
it makes me nervous because now I have to, I'm speaking at the same moment <laughs> as you, and it, you know, and I'm like, wow, how am I going to do that? So You're just um, fine. <laughs> so, but you guys are just so good, the the, the chemistry and, and uh, between all of us, I mean, uh, between me, you, and Ben, and, 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 and William Hall, Bill Hall, uh, my, this is just going to be uh, something that I think you can't find anywhere else. And, and um, I encourage all the listeners, if you, know, you, you tune in every week, you get to hear awesome information for free, you know, just through the audio, but come out to one of these things, and, and, and you're going to see and hear different things that you won't otherwise, and, and you're going to be able to engage. You're going to be able to engage Paul and Ben and, and myself and William Hall and, and ask your own personal questions. And and, and I'll tell you, it, it's it's going to be a good good event. I mean, that, that's what this was about. Um, I, I don't want just to plug paranormal celebrities, you know, all these shows and, and whatnot, um, I wanted this to be a a, t- a time where it's just people that want real information, real intelligence, and to talk about that. Th- th- we're going to like totally eliminate this this culture, you know, of um, these TV TV celebrities or um, who are doing things all the same way. And let's have a show about people that are doing things differently and getting results. Well, the, the subtitle of this, if, if, pardon me for interrupting, is, is Advanced Understanding in the Paranormal Field. And it's, it's beyond the nonsense that's out there. Beyond and the pop. spooky, scary skeletons. And yes, and into some real interesting areas. So that's the thing. Absolutely. So, so we're talking about it's only $15. That's incredible, including lunch. Three speakers, all kinds of meet and greets, and all this business, and that's going to be uh, at the um, uh, in Brookline, New Hampshire, at the Brookline Event Center, for 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And uh, where, where can people get tickets? TrueParanormalEvent.com. That's TrueParanormalEvent.com. Go there; you'll find all the information. There's a PayPal link. Um, you can also mail a check to. Um, the information's on that website as well. Go go okay. to True Paranormal Event. You can you can mail a check uh, for for tickets, and we mail you the the tickets right away. As soon as we get check, boom, the tickets are out. And can people and, get tickets at the door? Yep, absolutely. Okay, We're gonna good. have tickets at the door. Um, I was hoping to to sell this thing out. It's it's not sold out yet, so there's there's still tickets available. But um, <clears throat> either way, but I would encourage if there's people listening right now that know they're going for sure get your tickets now um it'll help us to get a head count so we know how much food to to have together but we're going to have you know all kinds of food and um different sandwiches and and whatnot but and beverages um it'll just help us to to situate the the event center in in the right way and then also have, have have the right kind of food okay great shane thanks a lot we're out of time uh we'll be talking to you thanks very much uh, okay, right, folks. Talk to you soon. All right, right. Uh, you'll get uh, next Monday, September fifteenth. I don't know when. Twelve forty. You know when. Worldwide. dot com. Well, welcome back, legendary physicist Dr. Amit Goswami, for a, dis- a discussion of quantum reality and its relation to paranormal experience. And our quote this evening is from that old sweetheart Albert Einstein: "No problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it." 
I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.